believe in something this morning? Why don't you believe in a church? Why don't you believe in the glory of dominion that God gave us the power to build a building on a hill that stands for something in the community? That we're not afraid to stand up for what we believe in and tell the lawmakers and the rulers in this nation and every other nation in the world, Jesus Christ is the Son of God and He's coming back and you better repent of your sins or you're going to answer for them. Hailing from the heartland of America, atop the high bluffs of Western Iowa, comes the voice of the church, burning with passion for righteousness and justice again. People that believe in Jesus Christ, that he was buried, that he was resurrected on the third day, that he's coming again, and that men will answer for every idle word and every wrong deed, that there is justice beyond the grave. That is the statement that is made when you see a church and a steeple and a cross in a community and in a nation. And God cares about this building and he cares about the churches that sprinkle the landscape of this nation. And if you go to Europe today, you'll see cathedral after cathedral that were beautiful and they're empty. And if we don't get right in this nation, that's going to happen. Look around you at the sloth Look at the empty pews. Look at the big gaps. They didn't want to hear the truth. Believe in something today. Welcome to Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. Check out our website at beyondthewallsradio.com. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the sermon. There is a statistic that we begin with concerning the issue of the supernatural empowerment that comes from God we call grace. And the statistic has remained in the United States since the 1960s consistent. 95% of those who say Jesus Christ died, was buried and resurrected on the third day and he is my way to heaven. He forgave me of my sins. I'm cleansed by the power of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. 95% according to current data have never one time in their entire life shared their own testimony of how Jesus saved their soul with one single human being. It's a fact. Now I want you to absorb that fact and then consider the other fact that the subject that is taught more often, more continually, and has been the emphasis of the modern church for the last many years, has been the subject of grace. Those two realities don't add up because grace legitimately by its very nature empowers believers to reach others by the power of their own testimony. So what I'm saying to you very plainly is the fact that a message called grace has saturated the church for the last many decades, while at the same time, 95% of those alive, by virtue of mathematics, don't have much grace. Something's wrong in the teaching. Now, in my own personal study, in my own library, I happened to stumble onto an old book. It was a ratty old book. And I just thought, I wonder what this is about. And I just started looking through it. I, I hadn't read that book before. And I, lo and behold, I opened the book up, published 1961, and there is at that time an authority, I believe it was the Southern Baptist Convention, who is quoted in this book that was published by the Church of Christ denomination. 
but this authority in the Southern Baptist Convention, he's probably dead now and gone, released that at that time in 1961, 95% of the people living and breathing, walking this planet who say, Jesus saved me from my sins, had never shared their testimony with another living human being. More discouraging is the other part of the poll I found from 1961 as well as the accurate one done recently by the Westland Methodist Church and Barna Research that they both were identical in this way too. Another figure, 90%, there's a 5% reduction. 90% of every Christian who was born into the kingdom who says, Jesus, I believe on all the things we just sang about in that song. I believe in the resurrection. Jesus died for my sins. He's my Lord, my Savior. He's forgiven me. All these people, 90% of them at their funeral when they die. See, the first figure I gave you was living Christians, 95%. 90% when they die will have gone to the grave, had a funeral service, been buried in the ground, and will have never shared their faith in Jesus Christ with one single human being. Never in the history of the world has there been more teaching on the subject of grace with a people more evidently not having any of it. Those are two hard, cold facts we have to face. There's something wrong with what the church has been teaching for many years about grace. And that is why I'm endeavoring to take you back to the anchor of the Word of God this morning. And the title of my sermon is a little different because it's a title that is about 1,850 years old. It is an orthodox Christian belief concerning grace that has existed in every century since the Apostle Paul. The title of my sermon this morning is Extra Ecclesium Nulla Salus. It's Latin. Extra Ecclesium Nulla Salus. This is a phrase that every patriarch of our faith, every father of the Christian world has taught faithfully, Catholic and Protestant, since the very beginning of the first century of the church. That phrase, Extra Ecclesium Nulla Salus, is almost unknown in fact, gone in the modern church. But by the time I finish with this series, you're going to know what it means. You're going to know why it is so important to remain anchored to the truth of the Word of God and not some pop theology preacher so that you can have one of the most valuable things in God's universe called grace, the real thing. Not the fake kind of grace, that leaves the world dying and going to hell and virtually no one coming into the kingdom legitimately. The real kind of grace that changes you and exudes out of your mouth, out of your behavior and into everything where you place your hand so that people know that guy or that woman knows Jesus Christ. Extra ecclesium nulla salus. I'm going to lay a foundation for you to understand that phrase We'll touch on it for just a moment, but I want to just give you some historical anchors to the phrase, the doctrine of the church, extra ecclesium nulla salus. Of course, the first person to preach it was the Apostle Paul. The phrase means outside the church there is no salvation. This, of course, is counter to the emphasis of the last 80 years in America, which overemphasizes your personal salvation at the expense of orthodox Christian teaching. An overemphasis of that phrase, personal salvation, is in contradiction 
to the doctrine of extra ecclesium nulla salus. It is so critical that we understand this fundamental reality of what salvation is, how we obtain it, and why we must stay connected to God's holy church if the grace of salvation is to flow through us and produce lasting fruit that will eternally remain. The fact that 90% of modern Christians will go to their grave having never let grace out of their body, having never shared any message of grace with another human, shows and proves that I am correct that the church is uniquely graceless of all ages in history right now. We name our churches after it, Grace Church. We name our hospitals after it. We name anti-abortion adoption clinics after it. Some streets are called Grace Street. Grace is a popular word, hardly ever understood. Say it with me, extra ecclesium, ecclesium. nulla salus. There is no salvation outside the church. The apostle Paul began that doctrine, of course, in the epistles and Cyprian, in the year 258, the Bishop of Carthage and an early church father said it this way, there is no salvation out of the church. And then he continued by saying, he can no longer have God for his father who has not the church for his mother. Martin Luther in the year 1483 through 1546 taught that the church was, quote, the company of a believing people who, quote, have Christ in their midst. And then he said this, Martin Luther, outside of the Christian church, there is no truth, no Christ, no salvation. And we move on to John Calvin in the years 1509 to 1564. John Calvin said it this way, beyond the pale of the church, no forgiveness of sins, no salvation can be hoped for. Like Cyprian and Luther, Calvin saw a necessary connection between a Christian believer and a local church. And only through the mechanism of the local church could any believer connect themselves to the worldwide body of Christ. The Belgic Confession of 1561 agreed with Cyprian, Luther, and Calvin. Speaking of the church, it said, quote, out of it there is no salvation, end quote. Then the second Helvetic Confession of 1566 asserted similarly, Quote, none can live before God which does not communicate with the true church of God. And then we move to the Westminster Confession of Faith in 1647. In agreement with centuries of Christian teaching and biblical orthodoxy and a proper vetting and interpretation of the doctrines of the great apostle Paul, the Westminster Confession said the same thing. Extra ecclesium nulla salus. There is no salvation outside the church. The church is universal. The Westminster Confession made a clarification of previous centuries. And they said the church is universal. It is the holy universal church. They used the word Catholic. Consider they were not Catholic. The word meant universal. The church is a universal church, but is experienced through the local church. There is no real legitimate connection to the church universal outside of the local church where Christ has ordained you to attend. The idea that you can have a personal relationship with Jesus outside of having a relationship with Jesus' body is an absurdity. The idea that you could have salvation while simultaneously rejecting the very body of Christ is a mockery. 
It is only because you do not believe what Jesus has said that the church is his body that you could confuse yourself into believing that heaven could be gained with a wholesale rejection of the body of Christ. In every one of those centuries, each one of these confessions of the church and statements of doctrine went back using specific examples from the Scripture to remind us that the church is holy, the church is sacred, it is created by Jesus Christ, He designed a church to exist, you must participate in it honorably and regularly as He has commanded and His Father has since the beginning of time in the narrative of creation. Now, naturally, some of you who are not so faithful to attend are immediately going to have your toes stomped on. And I want you to know, in case you were to leave and say, he was aiming that at me, you're right. (laughs) I'm aiming it at you. And I'm going to tell you why. Jesus warned us in the book of Revelation that if you're a lukewarm Christian, he will vomit you out of his mouth. That doesn't bode well for whether or not you're going to heaven if you're lukewarm. I hardly see a bucket in heaven filled with vomit. And so I have grave concern because I love you, because I genuinely care about you as sheep, God has ordained, at least that is alleged, God has ordained for you to be the sheep in this church beneath the leadership that God has placed here. I have a genuine concern being a good steward of my own job and making sure you're aware of the truth, whether you want to hear it or not. I have a grave concern that some people seated in this room this morning are confused, are lukewarm, and may not really even be born again. And if there's any chance that even one person in this room this morning is living a lie and your Christianity is fake, I am deliberately under the authority of heaven here to aggravate you. You're listening to Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. Don't miss the conclusion of this sermon after these messages. Our country is no longer in need of a great awakening. America is in need desperately of a resurrection. And there's a difference between a resurrection and a great awakening. In far too many American churches, the Great Commission has been reduced. The emphasis is on really getting people ready to die. But the church is not here to get people prepared to die so much as we're here to equip people and how to truly live. I've written a new book that talks about this. It's called A Storm, A Message, A Bottle. You can get a copy of the book at beyondthewallsradio.com. God bless you. Welcome back to Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. But I'm going to show you some truths that I think are mysteries that will unlock things in your mind and in your heart and in your spirit that could change the course of your life. Some of you are just thinking about getting married. I was looking at Mr. McMahon this morning, excited for him. Someone that's even pretty likes him. (laughs) That's cool. So I just wanna tell you in front of everybody, you don't deserve her. (laughs) She's awesome. You better agree with me. (laughs) Every guy said amen. The moment you think you deserve your wife, uh uh-uh. Trouble's coming. 
And I'm looking at him, he comes up, he's about to get married, I'm excited for them, they're gonna be a great couple. Because they love Jesus, both of them, they love God with all their hearts, they're real Christians, they're not fakes, they're real. There's no knockoff faith with those two, I'm proud of them. They grew up here. Those are great people right there. They're gonna get married and they're gonna have children and I'm excited about their babies because before I'm dead, I'm gonna to get to preach to your babies. And maybe I'll be the preacher with, with, with the privilege of leading one of your children to Jesus. Wow. And I'm about to introduce you to something that you need to hear about. You've heard it 50,000 times, but I don't think you really have a revelation of what it really means. And I'm going to make sure that you leave with it, at least a spark of it. It's about marriage. You know, if you want to understand grace, it begins with marriage. You think you've got all kinds of ideas about what grace is because you read some book? Did they tell you about marriage in that book? Because if they didn't, I doubt you've been taught correctly. I don't think you can understand grace unless you start at the beginning with marriage because that's where the Bible starts it. There is no legitimate revelation of true authentic grace under heaven without an understanding of the covenant of marriage, and I'm going to show it to you. Turn with me, please, to Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to read you a verse. I know you've heard it a thousand times, but I'm going to describe some things to you today. I'm just going to lay a foundation. I'm not going to be able to get as deep into this subject as I would love because your bottom's going to get tired. But I want to read you something incredible. This young couple's about to get married and some of you are about to have children. There's other young couples that are just about to have their first baby. This sermon is really important for you to listen to. You need to hear this. If you're about to have a baby or you're about to get married or you already have been married and already did have babies and now you're a grandpa, listen to me. You need to hear this sermon series. If you have any covenant relationship with another human being on this planet, you need to really understand that old classic foundational doctrine, extra ecclesium nullicellus. You need to know why it is important. Because if you don't, you will not experience grace. You may love the subject. It might be your favorite sermon. You might hate hearing it. I don't know. You could read a thousand books on grace until you get this, you really won't ever experience grace. And I'll tell you something else. You're gonna find out right out of the scriptures that there is no salvation outside the church and there is no grace. He is the vine and we are the branches. Cut your branch. It looks alive for a period of time but you've cut off the life, the life of the church. Say this with me, the life of the church, life of the church. is grace. grace. I want you to think about the body of Christ. You need to take that phrase seriously. The apostle Paul took it seriously. The eye shall not say to the hand, I have no need of thee. I, have a, I think most ladies in here could relate to this. I, I, I want you to understand this glorious passage of Scripture. And then I'm going to help you see the absurdity 
of the cavalier attitude that the, the spirit of America today has taken with this holy gathering of saints on Sunday. It is a tragedy. It is a problem. I am addressing it here because some of you have taken a very wrong turn in your life with how you treat this congregation in your attendance. Doggone it, you're just going to be so annoyed, aren't you? I'm just telling you because I love you. Just telling you because I love you, because I want you to see something. If you knew the virtue that flows out of just sitting in a room like this, that the Bible tells you comes from sitting in a room like this, if you knew what it was and that you were getting it and that it is the life source of your vibrancy as a Christian, you would not be so cavalier. There would not be so many empty pews. I want you to see, I'm, I'm going to give you a revealed mystery. And God said, amen. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5. Let's go to verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own selves. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two, say two, the two shall become one flesh. This is the verse you've got to hear. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Behold, I speak of a mystery. I speak of Christ and the church. You just got an extraordinary nugget, and I know that you go to marriage seminars, everybody reads that verse, and I mean, I've heard this verse a thousand times, but I saw some things with the aid of the Holy Spirit this week, I, I must admit, I had not seen before myself. I felt like this is the direction that the Lord wanted me to go for a season on Sunday morning. And I'll be honest with you, the reason I'm teaching it is because Sunday morning people are the ones that need to hear it. If I taught it on Sunday night, many of you wouldn't come. And so now I'm here to aggravate you. You need to hear it because you're in trouble with the Lord. You're in trouble with the Lord, and I love you enough to tell you. And I want you to understand this phrase. 
extra ecclesium nulla salis. I speak of a mystery of Christ and the church. Comparing it to what? Marriage. When Jesus was asked about marriage, where did Jesus go immediately in his response, his rebuttal to the argumentative people posing questions? Where did Jesus always take us? Someone tell me. Back to Genesis. Go with me, please, to the book of Genesis. There is a mystery in this series. It will no longer be a mystery. You're going to see things, even this morning, if I can get there, that are going to bless and help you. This is going to potentially help your grandchildren. It's going to make sure you're not one of the 90% that die graceless with no fruit that remains. God help us to not be like the world church now. God, may you raise up a congregation in Cornerstone so unique that our people break every trend, that they understand the, the mysteries that few understand, that they produce fruit that remains. And we've made a conscious decision that we don't want fake fruit. And there's a penalty that you pay temporarily when you don't want fake fruit. But we want the truth and light. I want to take you back to Genesis. Maybe we'll read it. I don't know. I just want you to think about it. I want to share some concepts. There's a message. There's a mystery revealed if you'll listen to the spirit of what I'm saying. And realize as we discuss these principles that are literally programmed into the universe. They're immovable. They're never going to change. It's realities that are just there. There's a message to you about your relationship to this local church where the Lord has joined you to his universal body through this congregation. There is a message for you in just looking at the principles of marriage at the very beginning. I hope you get that message. Here's the first reality. Every human being, without any exception, doesn't matter what kind of personality type you have, every human being requires others. Say this with me. I am designed to require others. Now, I'll tell you why I know that's true. And we understand people have different personalities and some people need more people time than others do, but everyone must have others. You must. Why is that true? Because you realize the first cause of everything that exists in the known universe was three. There's never been one. Three in one is different than one. God had no beginning. He has no ending. He was not created. He always was. And he always was three. The message of creation is this. Others is the foundation of the existence of everything you see, hear, smell, breathe, taste, and touch, and know. And three was adequate for a beginning point. 
but it was not sufficient. The divine three said we need more. You were designed to need other people because you're made in the image and the likeness of God who is three and three is adequate for a beginning, but it's not enough for you either. And so God says in the beginning, it was not good that man be alone. 